History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. We're broadcasting all across the nation and across the world on the internet. Thanks for joining us today. My guest today is Claire Page from Claire Page Photography. Welcome to the program, Claire. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Matt. How about yourself? Very good. Now, I'm detecting a beautiful South African accent. Whereabouts are you from? Durban. Durban. Hey, what are you doing, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell us a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? Uh, what, What was life like for you as you were growing up? Um, yeah, I was born in Durban and really I came from essentially a very good family. But my dad um, was in the Second World War and experienced post-traumatic stress disorder. And as a result, um, he brought it, introduced it into the family. And we became victims in a way of physical and um, emotional and mental abuse. Um, and really I was... I really believe that God um, used me to become a mother's voice. Um, I was really um, the one who probably had the most to say, but I mean that in a good way, because I recognized from a very early age that there was injustice, and mum didn't really have a voice because she was very she was afraid of dad. And um, so in recognizing mum's um, fear, I actually became, as I said, her voice, and I started speaking on her behalf. I have an older sister and brother as well. And um, so, yeah, we went through um, turbulence and there was yes, domestic violence. And as a young child, um, seeing those differences, what actually happened is I started writing poetry. I started recognizing um, there were signs um, of, of anger and frustration and fear in me. And in writing the poetry, I, it was a form of expressing my outlet. I was misunderstood as I was growing up because um, I was just so different from my siblings, very outgoing. But at home, I was very much an introvert. And when I got to my teenage years, as I was um, entering adolescence, depression really made its presence felt in my life because, again, I couldn't express my feelings and I didn't, I wasn't being heard, although I was my mother's voice and, and I was um, there to, for my mum, I wasn't being heard myself. And um, so when I, when I was about 13 or 14, um, depression really came on big time into my life because, again, I, could, I wasn't heard. And, um, and all the time I was um, trying to attract attention, trying to be heard, trying to be loved. So I go to school and my grades started deteriorating. I had an inner turmoil on me, as I said, um, just the complete um, not being heard, not being loved, not being paid attention. I saw people out there in the world. I saw um, people I was at school with, they were excelling and they were being appreciated. Uh, one of the things is I was actually born quite late in life and by the time I arrived, I think I really believed that my parents, you know, they were um, well into the, well, in their 40s. And um, so they were pretty exhausted with having two older children. I mean, there was love. I'm, I want to say this. 
it's not all bad. There was love. There was, you know, we did go to church. So I don't want to be a total misrepresentation of my home life. But because, you know, just because I was hired differently from my siblings, I probably needed more love and attention. But um, so there were good things. But as I said, as I went into my teenage years, I became, um, the depression became more significant and I withdrew. And this was really the start of my withdrawing into myself because I was misunderstood. And the more I, um, as I progressed into my teenage years as well, the violence, my dad became more aggressive and, and more um, abusive towards my mum. So uh, increasingly I was there. I just felt more to be at home to, to defend mum. And um, so I, I never lived, I always lived two lives. I lived my life at home that my parents didn't know what was going on. Some of the things I can't really express because um, I just can't hear them publicly. But um, there was just so many things going on in my private world. So what was going on beneath the surface was totally different to what I was representing. I was happy and in inverted commas and um, always looked joyful. And But at the same time, privately, I was going through hell because I couldn't tell my parents what I was going through, what was happening to me. And um, so, so yeah, as I said, I retreated into poetry and, and to, I, I played a lot of sport. But then I started excelling in, um, in areas that really didn't matter. Increasingly, my grades deteriorated all the more. I started banking school, started skipping school because I wasn't coping with the emotional mechanism or the fear, the frustration, the anger. Those are the three triggering mechanisms that actually happened in my world because I wasn't being heard, because I wasn't being recognized for the achievements, the things that I did achieve. And, and um, so my teenagers were very mixed, very, as I said, isolated. And um, essentially going out there and not being the person God created me to be and, and, and to love and to be loved. And so by the time I left school, um, I started on the outer peripheral um, mixing with people who weren't um, probably the best for me. and But that was my responsibility because um, we make our own choices. And um, so I left school and then I went into nursing. I was passionate about um, nursing. I wanted to complete my nursing career. I only got halfway there because of the emotional turmoil. Once again, um, I was going through hell with the things that I was trying to hide from my parents. And um, so I didn't finish my nursing career and then I went into banking and didn't really enjoy that because um, I'm a person who likes to express myself and to use initiative and with banking I was very prohibitive and it just inhibited me a lot. At the same time when I was going through um, periods of extreme darkness, not being able to express myself, being misunderstood, people... Um, perceive things. They will see you as one thing, but they don't always understand what you're going through. So even though I was putting on this act, they would say things about me, but they didn't understand my help because it was like a silent scream. Um, I wanted to be who God created me to be, but there were so many other things, um, as I said, the fear, the frustration, the anger that was prohibiting me. So I created almost like a, a, a false personality, this one that um, presented itself as um, somebody who I wasn't. But even though through the darkest hour, God is amazing because um, he listens to us, he watches us, he protects us. And um, when I was working, I met Keith. And the first day I met him, I knew I was going to marry him. I know that God actually brought him to my life for a time such as that. 
and um, and he came in and he started I started being honest with Keith. He was the first person in my life that I could tell about what was going on in my life, how much I was hiding, and no matter what I told him, it didn't shock him. And I knew that Keith was actually brought to me by God. And and um, uh, about a year and a half later, we got married. When you uh, met Keith, where were you at in your faith journey at that time? Um, as, you know, as I said, we went to church every Sunday, but it was religion. It wasn't relationship. So um, I always I knew that God, God was always. I always had a strong faith. I always knew God was in every single situation, no matter how dark and difficult it was. Um, so I always believed that my faith was. Wrong, that I always knew that God was there, even though things were, um, and other aspects were coming, you know, really unraveling for me and, and a little bit out of control. But I always believed, um, I always believed that God actually was going to do something incredible with my life. You know, we don't always know how long it's going to take. I didn't know it was going to take until I was 50 to get a camera that was going to change my life. But, sorry, a bit emotional, but, um, so my faith has always been very strong, and, and I always knew that God was going to take me step by step out of the hell, out of the darkness, um, out of the turmoil and, and the uh, traumatic times that I went through with the depression. And the thing is, we come from South Africans, particularly at that time, going up in the 60s and 70s, we weren't allowed to um, really, it wasn't common knowledge who was depressed and anxious and, and, and experienced depression, anxiety, and the things that went with it, the characteristics that went with those behaviors. So if I had informed my parents that I was depressed, it would have really been frowned upon. And so I don't know whether they recognized the signs that I was depressed. If they did, there was no discussion. My dad was actually, um, along with the post-traumatic stress disorder, he was also um, had depression issues and associated with um, depressive attitudes. And, and um, so, you know, it was in the house. You become the person that you're with. And the things, Dad and I had a, um, we had a relationship where we were both very similar, very strong personalities. And again, you know, I would represent mum and some of my, sibling, my siblings as well. And so we, we would clash really big time. And But until I understood, um, what actually happened is mum was a controller and a manipulator as much as I loved her, and dad would use intimidation. So we had this pendulum swing between the two. And of course, growing up, mum always didn't always speak well of dad. So I got this, formed this opinion of dad of who he was through mum's eyes. When I was 30, I went to go and see a Christian um, psychologist and she explained to me just how mum had used me to manipulate me into believing who dad was and at the same time dad intimidating me as well with his tactics. So when I was 30, um, Keith and I had been married a few years, I went to, as I said, saw the, psych- I saw the psychologist and it was then that my relationship with my dad started healing. I started recognizing for who he is. I started realizing that he was going through depression. He he was experiencing um, the silence where he couldn't talk, he couldn't express himself. Because if he had said anything to mum, mum would have come out with a, a whole host of things that were wrong with her. I mean, I'm just explaining things the best way I can. 
And that's why dad was always silent because he couldn't express himself. So he, in a way, had a, a silent, going through silent hell himself. So dad and I together we were going through similar things, but yet we couldn't express ourselves. And so, and then Keith and I, um, we, I had two miscarriages. So there was also um, really grieving and mourning for several years because, again, and the culture that we've come from and in that era, just experiencing that grief and mourning from losing two babies, I, there wasn't anybody I could go and speak to. So really having the two miscarriages was a replication of my childhood. The pain that I was experiencing, the trauma, and I couldn't speak to him. And God, first and foremost, I absolutely trusted God and believed he would, he would get me out of these circumstances. But I was so wrapped up in my pain. The devil actually, and I just like talking about the devil, but what he did, he took advantage of those circumstances from the time I came adolescent to, to losing my two babies. He took that as a, an extensive time to um, just to isolate me, to... Um, really informed me that I was useless and nobody because dad would say that growing up he would um, he would speak words of death over my life and those words became life to me, they became the truth and at the same time as, as I said having the two miscarriages I had this uh, incredible um, spirit of death and grief and mourning over my life that I amounted to nothing, I was useless and hopeless and I would never do anything but at the same time I kept on persevering with God there were times when um, there were, uh, the devil would attempt to um, attract me to suicide, but never ever would I surrender my life because God has done so much in me and for me. So um, those were really, um, as I said, about 20 years, 25 years that I was isolated, incubated in an absolute hell. I really went through hell. But as I said, even though I was deep down in that depression, I always had my hand up to God. I knew that God was there with me and that he would pull me out of there. But one day I was sitting more recently. So I just wanted to accelerate a little bit. We, um, so we did, we, we immigrated to New Zealand and we were there eight years and we immigrated to Australia. We've been here 10 years. And probably about five years ago, I was sitting on a recliner and I was, in a case of depression and and um, and I was really sad and grieving and God said to me I was crying out to him and he said well what are you going to do with what I've given you and that was part of the turning point in my life where I thought yeah I've got I have got so many gifts that he's given me and I started really realizing that I was advancing in years I was really becoming mature and I've wasted so many years I've spent so many years on thinking about me, myself, how depression can be, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but depression can be so self-consuming. You get caught up in this life cycle of um, being uh, held up and saying, oh, you can't go out, you're too scared to go out, and the fear of man. That was a huge thing with the fear of man getting out there and, and just breaking all the boundaries. But when, when God really spoke that to my heart, it really awakened something in me. And Isaiah 60 verse 1 is arise and shine is really what God has given me for my life. is to get up and to go out and use what he's given me. For my 50th birthday, Keith gave me a Canon 500D. It wasn't a gift. It wasn't just a gift. It was a gift of life. It was a purpose. And this is how I really came into photography because... For about oh, when I was when we first got married, I used Keith's dad's camera. It was a film camera, and I was really 
you know, drawn to photography because it's his light. And then when I got this Canon 500D, I was taking photographs, going to South Island in New Zealand, coming back and people were saying, well, what are you going to do about that? So what God really put on my heart was to take the collection of poems that I've written um, during the really deep times of depression in my life and crying out to God through, this, through the poetry I'd written, and which was the, the escape, also part of the escape of getting out of the, the depths of depression into where God wanted me to be. So the first book I've written is called Reflections, and it depicts, as I said, my crying out to God and a release from where I've come from to where he's assigned me to go. And so with the with the camera and with the books, I've written two other books which are going to be published as well, that has been such a healing process, which has enabled me to get up and go out and, and be what God wants me to do. I mean, I'm 55 and I'm going out, I'm learning technology, I'm in the process of working with my public relations officer and we are starting to, um, God is enabling me to get out there and speak to people. I can't really re- um, release things yet, but God is going to release me to associations who are um, in desperate need of hearing people um, who have come out of depression. Well, Claire, I've just been having a look through uh, your website and checking out some of this photography and the poetry that you've got on there. Uh, I can really see that it's been a part of the healing process for you, and I think it's going to be part of the healing process for others as well. It's been wonderful to hear your story today. If people want to find out more, the website is clairepagephotography.com.au, and you can find uh, photos and poetry and links to uh, some gorgeous uh, photographs there. And, uh, you know, part of this poetry here is just beautiful stuff. Uh, I, I think you're a history maker, Claire. Hey, thanks so much for joining us and uh, telling us your story today. God bless. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.